Hey, this is Imani Hopkins. I'm on staff here at Vive and want to welcome you to Vive Church Podcast. We are entering a new season for our church. And this Sunday, Pastor Kira preached a message entitled The Challenge with Change. You can head over to our YouTube for the video of this message. Subscribe to the channel while you're at it. We've got some fresh new content coming your way. Here's Pastor Kira with The Challenge with Change. It's so good to be with you, my beautiful church. Let me tell you, it's been too long. The Amen Army out there are cheering me down. I love you guys. But let me tell you, I I feel the mandate of heaven. There's an atmosphere shift that's gonna take place for us as a church. And we are expanding under the the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this hour. You know what happens when there's expansion? There's transformation. There's challenge, there's change on the horizon. And so I need to posture you in your spirit. I need to posture you in your heart today to get ready for revival. Are you ready, church? Are you ready to be challenged by the Word today? I know that you've got your Bibles there with you in your homes and the Amen Army have got their Bibles out there with them. But I'm gonna encourage you today to open up your Bibles to to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two is where I'm gonna like launch into the message today. But it says this, Paul starts out with a challenge for us and he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Verse two, Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And in such Paul-like fashion, he goes on to challenge them in the rest of this chapter. And he says, I want you to make sure that you pray for those who persecute you. Say what, Paul? I, I didn't hear that. I don't want to hear that. Don't repay evil for evil. Oh, don't take revenge. Let that be God's. God's is going to take revenge at some point. In fact, I want you to feed your enemies. In fact, I don't want you to just fake love people. I want you to really love people. He says then, closing out the chapter, He says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Oh, it's gonna be a good one today, Vibe Worship. You can you can go take your seat with the Amen Army, but we're gonna just get straight into this today. You ain't ready for this, let me tell you. Paul, the Apostle Paul, I gotta tell you, he's one of my favourite, favourite people in the Bible. He is, you know, somebody who I find that as I open my Word, his, his words still have the capacity to leap off the page and grab me. You know, they confront me. And what he's doing right here today is he's giving us a challenge to change. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not that 
you know, I don't love change. If you're anything like me, maybe change challenges you. Maybe you don't like change. But I gotta tell you that being a Christian requires change. It doesn't even just require change once. Oh, I decided to follow Jesus. No, that ensues a daily changing. That ensues a daily following Jesus and being transformed by His Word to become more and more like Him. And so I gotta tell you, church, right up front, the transformation doesn't happen without a challenge. And so we're gonna talk about the challenge with change today. If you are a note taker, that's the title of my message, the challenge with change. And I'm gonna pray differently today. Father, I thank You for Your church. God, I pray, Lord God, that we would not just ask to be taken from our challenge today, that we would ask that You would open our eyes in a new way to see the challenge differently, change the way we see it so that we can change the frame of reference in Jesus' mighty name. God, we give You permission. We let You transform us into new people today by changing the way we think in Your Word. And everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. That's the cue for the Amen Army. But let me tell you, I wanna ask you a question today, straight up. How is your frame of mind? How's your frame of mind? 2020 has thrown some pretty tricky things at us and I don't know if your frame of mind is challenged trying to cope with all the change, but mine has been. There's been situations and there's been circumstances and there has been events in 2020 that I have definitely taken to the bank and tried to weigh, tried to work out what is the meaning of this. We're having conversations about what matters and what doesn't matter. And we're trying to make sense of what is this situation? What does it really mean? And we're trying to weigh things up, but a lot of it is dependent on how we frame it. And you can frame things, friend, you can frame things in positivity or you can frame things in negativity. And I just wanna ask you today, how are you framing it? What's your frame of mind today in this moment? You see, 2020 has many memes floating around. You know, like uh, memes about 2020. Pastor Carly sends me memes all the time. And, you know, one meme that I really loved was this person armed, you know, from head to toe in that old knight armour. And it was like me ready for 2020. And then there was another picture of the armour and an arrow through the tiny little slit. The 2020 had got them. And I don't know what picture or what frame is summing up your 2020. But my parents used to say to me, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, I would say that in our generation, that speaks truer than ever before. And you know, I have conversations with my teenage girls. I have the coolest teenage girls, by the way. They are legit the best. And so they have emoji conversations with me over text message. We don't even use words these days. We, we've, we've evolved to then using GIFs. You know, everybody loves the good GIF conversation. We have meme conversations, but the latest conversation that we are having are Reels conversations on Instagram. You seen those Reels? Okay. Well, the thing that I love about Reels is that, you know, in the making of it, it's like the movie making, like we're in a studio right now. I get to see behind the scenes of how all of these things are captured. But, but when you're making a Reel, it's beautiful because it's a series of individual frames that come together to make a movie. Now, 
if I were to just use one of those frames, I'd only get a snapshot of your day or a snapshot of your life. But as they begin to get connected together, I get to see more of a bigger picture that is unfolding. And so I think it's interesting that we, you know, try to freeze frame certain parts of our life and, and to look through the rest of our life through that filter. I'll give you an example. I'm not that uh, tech savvy. Anyone on my staff will tell you, my children, my husband will amen that louder than anybody else, unfortunately. I am not tech savvy. So when I go to make an Instagram TV thing, you know, anyone tried to do that? Trying to make an Instagram TV thing? And then it freeze frames a picture at the front that everybody's gonna see before they click on that screen. I don't know why Instagram freezes you like, why? They're really picking my best side. But that, I would say, is a lot like some of us. You've picked a frame in your mind to which you're viewing everything in the future through and that frame is the wrong frame. Why are you framing it that way? Why did you pick that focal point? Why did you pick that filter in which to view everything through? And did you pick that picture? Or was somebody else framing it for you? Did the world frame that for you? And so Paul is challenging everybody's perceptions. He does this, he challenges the Christian's perception, he challenges the non-Christian's perception. And what he does so brilliantly is he takes the frame of reference where that person is from, their surroundings, their life, and then he uses that frame of reference to target and transform their frame of mind. I'm gonna prove this to you because in Galatians chapter three, verse 26, he does this. And I think this is one of the greatest articulations of the way that Paul used his life in ministry. Like he knew why he was here and what he was doing. He knew why God had put him on this earth. And I just love that he's always thinking about the big picture narrative. But in the moment, he begins to weave into a person's personal limited perspective, a shift in order to change the course and the cause of a person's life. And in in, uh, verse 26, he uses this one. And he says, For you are all children of God. He's talking to the church through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying you're no longer identified by your ethnicity. You're no longer identified by your status in the house of God. You are no longer identified by your gender. You are identified by your faith. The people of God called together one. That was his focal point, okay? His focal point was one of an internal transformation, not one that laboured on the external things. He understood the focal point of humanity, the common denominator of humanity is that everybody needs Jesus. We all need Jesus's salvation. But he was so brilliant that he understood the context in which he lived and he modified his message for his different listeners from other cultures and other backgrounds so that they could comprehend the gospel message better. 
Oh, I love the way that he does this with non-believers. In Acts chapter 17, he's preaching to idol worshippers in Athens and he takes the same approach. He takes the same framework. And actually in verse 21, I like how the Bible puts this. It says, it should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Well, we haven't changed one bit, have we? We've got all these ideas and all these theories and all these thoughts and all these reasonings and all these current realities that we are discussing at the moment. And Paul is noticing that they love idol worship. There's lots of these idols that they are worshipping. He notices far off there is a, a an idol and it's named to an unknown God. And he's like, great, that's my moment. So he begins to preach with them and he begins to declare, fearlessly about the one true God. And then he just references the fact that actually this one true God is actually the unknown God that you've been worshipping over there. And then many of these people come to Christ and they're saved. You see, he's acknowledging their frame of reference so that he can engage with their frame of mind. You see, Paul just knew how to cling to humanity's unifying need so that he could share the Gospel in ways people could understand it. We need to do this as a church in the 21st century. Time and time again, we see the frame of reference is being used to address the frame of mind. When I talk about frame of reference, I'm talking about where did you come from? Where were you born? Where did you grow up? What's your worldview? It all determines how you see yourself, how you see others and how you see God. And he began to gain access and insight. And so I wanna just bring us all around a story today, a story that we're gonna find in Acts chapter 16. And it's a story that talks about some different frames of mind. And we've got a girl, we have a, a girl and she's a slave girl and she's, Luke is writing about her and and it says that she has a spirit of divination, okay? And so what happens is she's made a good living for her owners from framing people's futures, from fortune telling, from framing falsely people's futures. I gotta tell you, the devil doesn't know the future. He doesn't know what's ahead. He only works off of predictions, like my husband preached in the Devil Don't Know series, he works off predictions. He works off of patterns in our life. And so she would begin to project what the future was gonna look like for these individuals and she was pretty good at it. But unfortunately for her and unfortunately for Paul, something about Paul's message catches her attention and she chases him around in and out of the temple every day. And she's beginning to declare this phrase, the Most High God, these men are the servants of the Most High God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now it's interesting that she would frame that statement. It's interesting that she would use those words. You see, for most of the people in that day, Most High God would ring bells to them. But you see, the way of salvation was a bit of a tease. You see, because the Romans, they would do something they, as the Roman Empire, they claim to offer their citizens, you know, rescue from civil war and social unrest. And, and Paul wasn't here to bring about some mere freedom of the flesh. 
The people of God had a great, robust understanding of what salvation was and it wasn't that. Freedom of the soul is what they had come to bring about. Freedom that would have an eternal equation attached to it. And so some of us may think that, you know, oh, there's little harm in this girl shouting day after day of the group, you know, but it's not the kind of attention that Paul was wanting. It's not the kind of attention that they valued. And you see, it's just an example, church, of how the enemy tries to frame things and confuse meanings so that he can lead us down wrong paths running after the wrong narrative. And so eventually Paul gets frustrated by what is unfolding. He turns to the woman and he says, depart from her in the name of Jesus. And the Spirit leaves her immediately. And so on the spot, okay. And so I think all the disciples were maybe even kind of surprised. So you've got Luke and you've got Silas and you've got Timothy. And I'm sure they're standing there and they're like, not again. He's done it again. He's Fuse has gone and he's cast out a demon again. And now what is this trouble that we are gonna be in? Because all of them would have had a different frame of reference. They would have had a different frame of mind. We all have them. But the world likes to use things like fear framing to impose upon our frame of mind. And I wanna talk to you about this because I feel like this is, a current thing that we are all dealing with, the external factors of our world and our society pressing in upon us, the weight on our mind, the weight on our spirit and our heart is heavy. And so now it doesn't take long for the owners to realise that their line of business is finished. And so the girl, you know, couldn't, couldn't frame people's futures with fortunes anymore. So what sh they do is they shift this a little bit and they, they tell the story in a special way. And they have a, a great way of complicating what has actually happened. Complicating the fact that Paul has taken away their livelihood, even though the motives for the charge are pretty clear. And so they focus on framing this in a way that is confusing to say the least. And if I could take a caveat for a second, I'd say to you that the enemy is trying to shape the narrative of 2020 for you. But he's limited to the external measures that are at hand. There is a frame of reference. The external, the physical environment, he uses it to oppress the frame of mind. Even of a Christian, he attempts this. And here's how profound this is. These people take this situation was something about Paul freeing the spirit of the girl, which is what they consider to be a religious problem. They translate it into loss of income for them, which is what they considered an economic problem, which turns vengefully into accusation about Paul and Silas, oh, they must be Jews which is an ethnic problem, which turns the accusation that they were teaching customs that would be illegal for Romans to practise into a political problem. And what they have done is reframe this situation so well that without any formal process, the magistrates have Paul and Silas stripped, beaten with rods and thrown into prison. And so Paul's frame of reference has shifted his frame of reference is now different. But I wanna draw your attention to this. If this was you and I, would our frame of mind shift in this moment? 
If it were you, if you were Paul in the prison, what would your frame of mind be? Would you be crying out, God, where are you? God, I was working for you. God, why, why me? I thought you were gonna protect me. But that is not the frame of mind that Paul has. The things that we see as problems, Paul actually sees as possibilities. And what we see here is that, what we notice in this man is that his frame of reference no longer determines his frame of mind. And there is something so incredibly powerful about this that I want you to get in your heart and in your spirit. Because just like with Paul, his frame of reference had shifted. His frame of reference was bars, but his frame of mind had him singing bars, Vive Worship. It had him singing bars of praise. It had him worshiping Jesus. He, he, here is a man who's not having his frame of reference change him, but he is instead changing his frame of reference. And that is why it is so important as the people of God that we bring faith into the frame because it's such a game changer. There's potential for the story to begin to shift in its trajectory because the Christian is on the scene. The church is on the scene. The man or the woman of God is on the scene. And so with their feet still in their stocks, and there was so much, oh my gosh, you can't sleep. There's no sleep to be had while your feet are in stocks. So they are just praising God and they are just praying. And suddenly there is this shaking in the building. I gotta tell you, this story isn't just a story about Paul. This is a story about a jailer too. And I'm here to tell you today, Vive Church, that your story isn't just about you. It's about others too. And so here is this Jailer and the earthquake, the earthquake's bad news for this jailer. It's bad news because he is responsible, personally responsible to keep these prisoners under lock and key. And at this point, the doors are flying open, the chains are being loosed and the jailer is assuming all the prisoners have escaped. And so he begins to do what every other Roman officer would have done in that time. He draws his sword and he's about to take his life because he's stuck in a frame of reference that he doesn't know how to get out of. And so we see that when we do the same thing, when we freeze frame our life in a moment, in a challenging moment, in a confronting moment, we make assumptions like the jailer did. He made an assumption that all of the prisoners had escaped. They hadn't escaped, they were still there. But here's the thing about assumptions. Assumptions are just our personal perspective playing into the situation. And many times there's no basis in reality, but we have fear framing our future in an instant when we make assumptions because we go from one conclusion to the next conclusion. There's no fact in it. And this is why it is so important for the people of God to challenge our perspective, to bring the realities of heaven into the scene, into the situation. At this point in the message, I'd have you ask yourself, have I been making the wrong assumptions? Have I been framing things incorrectly? Have I been focusing even on the right things? Does my frame of mind need to be successfully reframed today? Well, you're in good company because 
I'm going to teach you that future framing is always, it always has to be done in faith. You can't frame your future in fear or you're going to stay right where you are. You're not going to see any transformation. You're going to become a victim to your circumstances. But if you can learn how to frame your future in faith, you will move beyond that moment to greater days and better days in the mighty Name of Jesus. And so (coughs) Paul, in an attempt to reframe the jailer's future, he cries out and he says, don't harm yourself we're all still here. Now, the New Living Translation records the jailer responding and saying, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Now, for us, when we read that in our Bible, we're like, hey, easy salvation, Paul. That's an easy one, you got that. But that's not exactly what the jailer was saying. You see, because we understand that the language of salvation worked on several different levels in the ancient world. And just like it did with that slave girl, you know, where the Roman Empire offered its subjects, you know, freedom from war, safety from war or social upheaval. Luke uses the same word to record the shipwreck that takes place later in Acts. And he literally says that they were saved from drowning. There's this something about salvation being like, I just, you know what? In his most natural panic stricken state, he just wanted the obvious to be stated. I want out of this nightmare. I want this nightmare to end. I want out of this trouble. And some of you know exactly what the jailer is saying and what it feels like. Cause you said, I want out of 2020. I want this all to end. Could it just be over like that. And I would say to you today, church, there are people around you and you've missed the fact that they are crying out for God because you haven't heard them say it like the jailer said it. We need to hear that as they are crying out and they're saying, oh, but my marriage, help my marriage is an opportunity for salvation's message to enter their heart. Oh, help me with my finances. Oh, help me with my kids. Oh, help my health. Oh, help my anxiety. Oh, help my fear. All of these are cries for salvation to be set free from the situation, but also truly on a deeper level like only the Christian can. And so here we can understand and we can assume that this this jailer had some assumption. He had some understanding that Paul and Silas were there on a religious charge. He would have been aware too of customs and, you know, mythology of other gods getting angry and earthquakes happening. Who knows what he was concluding in his mind. But Paul, because he's so brilliant and because he wasn't shook by a sudden change a frame of reference, his frame of mind is ready to engage. And what he says works on every level for this man. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be rescued, both you and your household. What I need to do first is I need to go after your soul. I need to secure your salvation, your eternal salvation. And so Paul introduces the reframe. And I love this because he has to to go after the mind so that he can shift the frame of reference for the individual. God needs to be brought into situations and He's gonna be brought into those situations through you and I. And so in a moment of despair for this jailer, it becomes a moment of destiny because Paul was the master of reframing things. You know, over the course of this story, the frames have moved together. 
and the story takes on a new shape. Now, by the end of this, we've had a complete 180 and Paul is standing here and he is now accusing the magistrate of actually, you've been illegal. You actually held me, a Roman citizen, in your prison, revealing that they'd overlooked that. And so he waves his Roman citizenship at them and All of this is obviously a very confusing situation. It's a confusing story. But I wanna say this to you, church, and I hope that it gets in your spirit because that is the kind of thing to expect when a new world is breaking into an old one. And maybe you haven't yet understood what's happening in your 2020, but a new world is trying to break in on an old one. And it's time to fix your focus and frame things correctly because just because you spent some time in the prison of 2020 and maybe you spent some time in despair or maybe you've had some anxiety or maybe there's been fear or maybe there's been worry or maybe there hasn't been health or maybe there's been assumptions. Whatever the frame of reference you have been afforded, that doesn't mean you have to lose your perspective of who you are. Oh, let me tell you, I'm calling the people of God back. I'm calling you back to remember, to possess the promises of God so that you will have the right frame of mind entering this next season. Paul certainly didn't forget who he was. He wasn't sitting in that prison going, oh my gosh, God, send help, save us. He's like, no, I know that you positioned me in this prison. You planted me in this prison so that I could bring about salvation. You've got a plan in this. There's something in this that you want me to do. And so at first light, the magistrates, they send word to the prison and they say, Paul and Silas, you're free to go. And Paul says, hell no, no way. I'm not moving. You can come down here and you can take me out yourself. He institutes and he inserts his full citizen rights. And as the people of God, it's high time we insert our citizen rights back into reality. It's a time for the church to not lose its authority. It's a time for the church to rise up and use its authority. In Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 ends, he bookends all of this chapter and he says, don't let evil conquer you. Don't let evil conquer you. Don't look at your Instagram and let evil conquer you. Don't look at the news and let evil conquer you. You conquer evil with good. You get out in the world and you do something good. If anyone knew what it was to live Romans chapter 12, Let me tell you, it was Paul. Paul, this is the same Paul who thought Jesus was pretty much the Antichrist to Judaism. That's that's how much of a transformation it was that Paul himself went under. Then on the other side of his transformation, Jesus reveals who He is to him. And Paul is like, actually Jesus, He is the Saviour of humanity. He's the greatest thing that has ever happened to any of us. The zealous persecutor becomes the zealous proclaimer. If anybody was credentialed to give us this passage of Scripture, let me tell you it was Paul. And Paul meant what he said. 
Don't copy the customs and behaviours of the world, but let God, let God, let God, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Here's the challenge with Change Vibe Church. Could we be possibly conforming, copying the customs and the behaviours? And maybe could that be hindering the transforming that God wants to do within us and in our community? It's twofold. And we wonder why we're stuck. But I'm here to just remind you today, because the way I understand it is, the way I change the way I think is by challenging the thoughts I have. And there are some thoughts that we have been having, if we are honest with ourselves, that we need to change. And so it's not until I challenge what I am doing and what I am thinking that I'll, I'll never change what I will do if I don't first challenge the thoughts. You see, Paul says, don't copy. Why does he say don't copy? Why would he say that to them? Don't copy. Is he making an assumption? No, you don't say things like that unless people are doing it. Why do I say to my children, don't run by the pool? Because they're running by the pool. And so as a default, we have a tendency to copy the things of culture. It gets on us. We're moving in and through this culture all the time. And if we are not intentional to be transformed by the renewing of God's Word, then we will by default be being conformed. But we are those who God has marked out to be transformed in this hour. He wants to transform you. He wants to change your perspective. He wants to be the God of change to you. Your way out of being stuck is by challenging the thoughts that you have. I wanna just, I wanna end in this. I could end really high, but I actually wanna be really practical today because I think that this is a sober reality for most of us. My frame of mind has been isolated. My frame of mind has been afraid. My frame of mind has been desperation. My frame of mind has been lack. My frame of mind has been negativity. My frame of mind has been faithlessness, hopelessness. God wants to exchange that today with you. He wants you to change your thoughts for His thoughts so that kingdom culture can make the divine exchanged in us and so that we can can truly see revival like my husband was saying. We're singing that song at the beginning, Lord send revival, Lord send it now. God doesn't send things into the earth without accompanying with His people. His way of revival is through you and through me. And so in your home right now, lift your hands towards heaven. I'm gonna pray for you. The Amen Army, lift your hands towards heaven. Father, challenge every thought, transform us by the renewing into new people by Your Word. Make us into new people today, I pray. Lord God, Your people remember who they are. They walk in power, they walk in strength, they walk in divine healing, they walk with a purpose, they walk with a future, they walk unafraid because You have gone before us. Father, shift the atmosphere of every home, shift the atmosphere of every heart, shift the atmosphere of every mind, shift our church, push us into a new season, I pray, a season of revival.
in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. Would you give God a beautiful hand? Let me encourage you, church. Hey there, Imani here again. If this message blessed you, we want to encourage you to consider sharing it with someone you know so that it can bless them too. Also, we'd love to hear from you. We believe God is moving every day and we want to hear how he's moving in your life. Email mystory@vibechurch.org or direct message us through YouTube or Instagram. Last reminder, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a message.